History is a great tutor in that it can primarily inspire us through some of the wonderful moments in history that we can learn about and at times can fire warnings at us about things that aren't wise or things that should be avoided. We've embarked on this uh, series of messages looking at different awakenings, both from the Old Testament and the New Testament, because I think they really reveal to us the wonderful acts of God and how God changes individuals and as a result of individuals being supernaturally changed by God in his sovereign way. He does that as he wishes, uncontrolled by man. Amazing awakenings are happening. And the great thing about looking at the biblical history is actually it gives us a, an amazing sense of encouragement. So we shouldn't be deflated, but we should be inspired, particularly in days like this. When we could be asking loads of questions and with church buildings being closed down, with services being cancelled, you know, we we really, really are looking for opportunities to be inspired and to dream about what God could do amongst us. I think we're at a crucial point, both in, in terms of our own place here at CFM in our corner of the Northwest, but we're at a crucial point in history, perhaps, as the Church of Jesus globally. And some good questions need to be asked about what what are we meant to do? Who are we meant to be in these challenging times? And this is why this, this mini series that we've been through on Sunday nights, it could be an incredible encouragement. Listen to some words from Acts chapter 11, verse 19 to 22. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, they traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only amongst Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. This is an incredible moment of breakthrough. This is a very significant moment in the life of the early church. This is when the church comes out of a certain box it was in until that point. And you'd find that the, a group of believers are beginning to reach out much further than they were before. Antioch was in the current province of Syria. It was a significant city, probably after Rome and Alexandria was one of the influential cities of the time. And this is the beginning of something amazing. How did this all happen? What's going on here? How is it that God is so at work through his people bringing such a breakthrough in this situation, in this location? The great thing is here for me, and this is the first lesson, we've got to do what those disciples did. You've got to see adversities as opportunities. You've got to see adversities as opportunities. When you see them right at the very beginning, as Luke is describing what's happening, it says those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word. This would have been on the back of the persecution when one of the key leaders, one of the deacons in the early church had been martyred, had been publicly executed for his faith in Jesus. 
Now, the option they could have had is to embrace fearful inactivity, and nobody would have blamed them. They could have just simply gone into hiding and say, you know what, we're going to just keep low until this passes by, and we've got to think of our families. We've got to think of, of our lives. You see what's happened to Stephen could have been a byword. And that wasn't an option they took. The other one would have been just to bail out on the faith. And it could have been those disappointed deserters. And I've seen them in the life of the church. Certain people start well with a little bit of interest in following Jesus. And then when things get tough, they'll just scoot off. And this could have been them. The third option is what they take. They have creative courage. Persecution, instead of silencing them, is pushing them out missionally out of their initial base in Jerusalem and is suddenly broadening their horizons. This is because they choose to see the adversities as opportunities to grow, to grow themselves spiritually, but also to grow the church. And they push out and then suddenly, you know, what seems to be a very difficult circumstance of persecution in Jerusalem that is pushing them to being scattered, which you would have said, oh, no, not this, turns into, yes, this is an incredible opportunity. And they end up going and taking the good news of who Jesus was to all those around. How could they do this? I think they could only do this because they made that choice not to be discouraged and distracted by the persecution and have that deep trust in God and obedience because they remembered the words of Jesus when Jesus said to them, wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And if the persecution would have broken out, they could have said, hey, you know, we're doing the, you know, the first part of the job. We're just sticking out to Jerusalem. But that wasn't the full call that Jesus gave them. He said in Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This was a ever-widening circle of influence and ripple effects that would go further and further out, including the ends of the earth. So now they make that choice in which instead of being fearful, they choose to obediently and courageously embrace the promise and call of Jesus. It's a promise and a call. And they say, you know what? We're going to go out. We're going to fulfill that which Jesus spoke about us and the call that he gave to us. And they do it. And I think this is a great encouragement for us in a time of this coronavirus crisis with everything that we've lost, with all the uncertainties, with all the fears that are rampantly coming at us. Are we going to choose to be discouraged and distracted are we going to be people who would say God could even be at work in the midst of this yes God didn't make this happen God didn't intend that to be the case but God can work through it so will we have the same creative courage to see the adversity as an opportunity I think both we as disciples of Jesus and the church needs to reinvent itself and look at how we teach and reach others. We need to be adaptable. We need to read the signs of the times and we need to have that creative courage that comes to those disciples who are being pushed out, that comes into our own lives and hearts because that's what's gonna bring about the breakthrough like it did in Antioch. The second thing is this, they're willing to smash walls and build bridges. 
You see, they were imperfect. Until this point, all they did is go into Jewish diaspora communities and go to the synagogue. It was a comfortable, well, fairly comfortable place because they were very familiar with what's going on. But suddenly, there are, Luke is saying, there are some brothers, there are some men from Cyprus and Cyrene who went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also. They smashed that wall that might have been invisible wall between Jews and Gentiles, and they built a bridge. So instead of just speaking to Jewish people in the synagogue, they begin to speak to Greek-speaking men as well. This is a beautiful thing. Because those disciples, although they embrace mission and they go out of Jerusalem, which we go thumbs up, this is wonderful, we, we admire you for this. They, they had a potential flaw, maybe, because their scope would, might have been a little bit limited to just reaching Jews in the synagogue. But now there's a real step up in which they are willing to step up and step out into something new, something unfamiliar. So until now, they connected with Jews in the synagogue, but now they're saying, no, we're going to connect with Greeks and Greek-speaking people as well. And that is incredibly beautiful. I love their willingness to connect based on their affinity. So these were Greek-speaking, probably Jewish people who said, we, we know this language, we have this affinity, we have this potential connection, we have this potential bridge, and we're just going to throw this bridge to that Greek-speaking community and tell them about Jesus and how wonderful he is. Who they were was their asset. So very often we enviously look at somebody else and wish we could be like them. When God looks at us and says, I want to use you the way I have created you with your gifts and talents and personality and character and story in order to reach people like you, because you would be the best. You speak their language. You understand them. You can communicate with them. And I think, again, we need to seek to smash those walls and, and, and throw those bridges and, and, and take hold of who God has made us and how he's wired us and actually say, maybe God can use me with those interests and passions and gifts and skills in order to reach people like me, just as it happened in Antioch. I think we need to be far more confident about our personality and our story. God doesn't make mistakes. When he gets hold of us, he redeems our story and personality and he uses it in order to bless other people through us. And maybe we need to be awakened to that incredible, incredible step forward of smashing those walls and building those bridges within our lives and our communities. The third thing is they spread the right message. So it's really interesting that again, when Luke describes it, he says, that they were speaking to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. They had a message, and it was the right message. It's not just good enough to connect. It's not like we're just going to go and have a coffee and speak in Greek to Greek people about the weather or the football or whatever else would have been popular at a time. Definitely not football. It wouldn't have been. Politics, probably. It's not just about superficiality. This is about a connection that's about relationship and revelation. It's about, yes, connecting on a human level and developing those relationships, but bringing the message of God. 
And the message they bring, Luke is saying it was good news, the good news of the Lord Jesus. That's so important. The message they brought wasn't bad news, wasn't awful news, wasn't average news. It was good news. And maybe we need to remind ourselves like they had it. They had this incredible confidence that the message that they brought about Jesus was so good. People needed it. And people would have benefited from it. It was a matter of life and death. They couldn't but share it. And that was what was on their heart. And they bring it. And it's about what I was saying earlier on this morning. For those of you who are watching. The good news is that Jesus is bringing freedom from sin. He's bringing fullness in our life. He's bringing a fearlessness when it comes to death. Who can match that? That is good news. It deals with the past, the present and the future. It deals with every little detail to do with our life. It's so comprehensive. It's so holistic. And that's the good news. And they knew it. And they wanted to tell the people the good news. I love that it's Christ-centered. This isn't good news about a church. This isn't good news about a philosophical idea. This isn't good news about a new movement. This isn't good news about politics. This is unashamedly about Jesus. Because right at the very heart of their message was Jesus, who he was, what he said, and what he wants to do in our lives. Often I think we find it a little bit embarrassing to talk about Jesus and we end up tying ourselves into all sorts of knots, talking about this and that and the other and missing Jesus. And if we miss Jesus, we've got nothing at the core of our message because our message is him. Not just about him, but it's him. And they knew it. They had the right message and they were spreading the right message and when they were talking about Jesus it was the message about Jesus as Lord it was a deep comprehensive message not just embracing Jesus as savior which a consumer would do but embracing Jesus as Lord as only a disciple would do this was incredibly significant it isn't about just as a consumer taking hold of the great things that Jesus offers me, but also taking hold of the invitation where Jesus wanted to take hold of me and my life and everything that I am. They had the right message. And I think, again, it's just so important if we want to see breakthrough in our lives, like it's there in, in, in the establishment of this amazing Christian movement from Antioch. We need to realize that we need to have an authenticity about the message of Jesus and to own it. Do you know the good news? Do you believe it? Is it bursting out of you to be shared with other people? Or is it just kind of a little bit of a okay news or average news? Is it truly fresh as good news? In your small groups, in the life groups, you can have a discussion about this just to encourage one another and spur one another on about really owning this message and making sure that that's what people hear when they hear us talk. Because it's so, so good and so worth it. The awakening comes there in Antioch because success belongs to God. It's so clear, again, in what Luke is saying in his description when he says the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. I guess the success driven person would read this 
and would be called by great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. But can easily miss out why that was. And Luke is saying, this is a secret. The Lord's hand was with them. The Lord's hand was with them. The Lord's hand talks about the empowerment, the resourcing, the equipping that God brought. They didn't, those people didn't turn to Christ as Lord and listened and appreciated and welcomed and believed the message because the messengers were amazing. It's great what it did. It isn't just simply because the message is good. Many people hear that message and don't respond. But they did because the hand of the Lord was upon those messengers and upon that message that came. A great number of people. This was very significant. This was a significant beginning of something that ended up being even more significant. And I love the fact that the success belongs to God and is being brought as the people believed the message and they turned to the Lord. Again, it talks about that intellectual understanding of this is what God is saying, but that there's something to do with the heart as the core of our being and our will being moved to actually begin a lifestyle of following Jesus. Those people were not the heroes. God is the hero. The key input wasn't by them. It wasn't their skill in language. It wasn't their creative courage. It wasn't their faith. It wasn't even their obedience. The key is God's signature. God's fingerprint all over this saying I'm going to make something happen here I'm going to bring the breakthrough and I think we need to seriously hear this in our day and age we are all fighting our narcissistic tendencies like crazy and if we aren't we're probably unaware narcissists and particularly that's challenging for leaders and for church leadership teams, where we sometimes think that maybe because of our passion and pursuit and technique and strategy and creativity, that's what would make people respond. That's what will bring about the breakthrough. And we need to be reminded to fight those narcissistic tendencies with every single fiber within our being. It isn't about us. This is not our story. This is not our mission. These are not our resources. These are not our skills. It's all about him. It's all for him. It's all through him. We need to be radically and unashamedly Christ-centered where all the time he gets the glory. This is the greatest challenge for me and for us. Let's not be glory stealers. Let's not be those who, by putting ourselves on a pedestal, are removing God from his righteous place. That's the only context in which God sovereignly would bring the breakthrough, where he will not have to share his glory with anybody else. And really, if we're talking about that sense of relying on God's hand, that means surrendering. That means making sure that we depend on him. Dare I say it? That means that we are people that pray a lot. Because when we pray, we don't manipulate 
we don't create, we don't DIY. It's all about God. And that's a rightful place for us to be. Listen, I dream of such breakthrough here at CFM, but maybe wherever you are, if you're watching somewhere else, I dream for such a breakthrough. And I want to invite you to dream with me. I want you to really have an expectation of such a breakthrough in your life and in the place where you are. And I want you to pray with me for such a breakthrough in the place where you are. I want you to act like they did, not copying them, but saying, Spirit of God, stir our hearts up like theirs was, to see those opportunities in the, in the face of adversities, to be the people that smash the walls and build those bridges, to be those people that bring that right message that is Christ-centered, but that is good news to those around us, to be those people who never steal your glory, but let you get the spotlight every time. Let's dream it. Let's pray it. Let's act upon it. That's our calling. Amen.